What's up and welcome into the Around the SEC podcast done by myself, Jack Schenkel. And as always, I am joined by Pat and Will. And let me tell you today, do we have an episode for you? We talk about an absolutely hectic rivalry weekend of football. And let me tell you, it was a great weekend for football, not just the SEC. But we're here to talk about all things SEC, including some incredibly close games. Edo's last game. And as well as two teams having already found their new head coaches, all that and more, let's go ahead and get into it. All right, let's get rolling. Will, lead us off with this week's power rankings. Now, this is only going to be Will's power rankings this week. Uh, Didn't bother to average those together this week, so we are going to have some differing opinions in this one. So let's let's start rolling, Will. That's right. I'm the smartest one anyway, so that's uh, these are the right power rankings. Starting off at number one, and this is the end of the regular season. Sadly, we have Georgia. Any any disagreement? Nope, none at all. Twelve and zero, hard to debate. At number two, we have Alabama. No debate there. Y'all just stop me if y'all disagree. At number three, we have Ole Miss. At number, you just interrupt if you disagree. At, at number four, we have Arkansas. At number five, we have Mississippi State. Now, so I, I I disagree with that one. I actually think Kentucky deserves to be there. I think, for me, it's Georgia, Bama, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Kentucky. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to argue with that. I don't agree with it, but I, I definitely see where you're coming from there. Yeah. I mean, they, they are 9-3. and They've they lost to Tennessee, personally, putting the lower for me, but I, I'm not going to argue with you on that. Um, at number six, we have Texas A&M. Number seven, I have Tennessee. Now, I actually have, I'm, I actually have Tennessee after Kentucky and then Mississippi State. Okay, I mean that's that's fair. Number eight, we have Kentucky. That's where I have them anyway. Eight, number, eight's where I have Texas A&M. Okay, and number nine, we have Missouri. And number ten, we have South Carolina. Eleven, Auburn. 12, LSU, even after a win, I, I still just don't think they deserve to rise too far up. And then uh, 13, Florida, and then 14, Vanderbilt. So I'm just going to run through mine real quick to see, our, to see what you think. So I've got Georgia, Bama, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Auburn, Texas A&M, South Carolina, LSU, Mizzou, Florida, and Vandy. My big disagreement is just Missouri being so much lower than South Carolina. I don't but, think they're that much lower. I think they're like, if you well, look at the grand scheme of it, like, I there, obviously we can't put stop gaps between these to like really say how much lower one is. Like maybe next year we can do we can rate them on a on a one thousand scale. Here, here's here's my uh, disagreement is I mean, now I've kind of gone over this. I'll just go over it quick. Missouri beat South Carolina, um, especially this last week. Missouri played better against Arkansas than South Carolina did versus Clemson. South Carolina got stonewalled against Clemson, and that's not a bad thing. It's Clemson, duh. But um, that that is just my disagreement. But all right, let's move on. Now, hey, I I do want to say something, and this is an idea I had, and I want to run it by y'all live because I want to see what everyone else thinks too. Next year for the power rankings, I think we should start with a chart of our week one power rankings, preseason power rankings. Start them off on that decimal scale, like 1.0.9, you know what I'm talking about? Like a recruit kind of thing. And as the year goes on, subtract points and keep up with our own. 
and do it like that and see how uh, what the movement looks like, like an end chart for the end of the year. I think that would be very interesting to look at, see the ips and flows of the season. Yeah, I agree. I agree we can do that. All right, you, you want to go on to the games? Let's move on to this amazing slate of games. Yes, and you do. You are correct in that it was amazing. Talk about possibly one of the greatest college football weekends we've had in a very long time. And on top of that, it's I'm a little salty. This is just an SEC podcast because games all over the country: Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And oh my gosh, what a finish to that one! I mean, just amazing games all over the country. It's a crime. This is an SEC podcast, but we're just going to stick to that. And we are going to take a little bit extra time with these last week's games because, one, it's the last regular season. We don't have next week games to talk about except the SEC championship. So We do have basketball we can start talking about next week, though. Yes, we, yes, we can. So there's always that. We've kind of neglected basketball to this point to some degree, but I, but it's all been it's all been fair. Like we, we you know, basketball's kind of just going through the motions right now. So it would be like an hour and forty minute podcast if we talked basketball. So yeah, which I'm sure some people would like, but most people lose interest after their team. So anyways, <laughs> but let's uh let's let's go ahead and move on. Will uh, I guess the probably the game of the week. Let's start off with it. Bama Auburn. Why are we starting off with that one? Well, let's start off with the one on Thursday, go to Friday, and then Saturday. Well, because I was going to go in alphabetical order, but I'm cool with let's start on Thursday then. 31-21, to 21, Ole Miss Rebels take the egg, egg bowl <laughs> over Mississippi State. Absolutely. I think the story of this game is Ole Miss' ability to keep Mississippi State out of the end zone. State attempted four field goals inside of Ole Miss's 45-yard line. Missed two of them, I think. I believe that's correct. But four field, forcing four field goals inside the 25-yard line, that's the difference in the game. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as, as the, uh, the resident Ole Miss fan in this podcast, uh, it's always a great day when the Golden Egg stays in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, I think overall, Ole Miss just – they had their most complete game of the season, which is important. Rivalry week, super duper important. And it just, to me, it seemed that Mississippi State was frustrated on offense and defense. They couldn't get the stops, couldn't get the first downs when they needed them. And Ole Miss looked like a more complete team than they have all season. Matt didn't have a big day, but he got the job done. Yeah, absolutely. Ole Miss was up 24 to 6 um, going into the fourth quarter because they dominated the middle quarters of the game, second and third quarter, shutting out Mississippi State, um, going 21 unanswered points. And that, again, that's the difference in the game. I will say, State, um, like I said, what State had to do to win this game was keep Ole Miss off balance with the occasional runs. They did an okay job of that. They rushed 21 times for 84 yards. You would like to see a little bit better production there from Mississippi State, and that, again, could be the difference in the game there. Also, shout-out to Ole Miss for the first 10-win season in school history. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think Lane Kiffin is going to stay. I So it would seem. I think – I think – is Lane Ki- – 
I've said this for a few for a few years now. Obviously, he's only been there for two, but ever since like he got hired, I felt I said Lane Kiffin fits Ole Miss very very well. Like his the style of coaching, his personality, everything fits Ole Miss, and I don't see him leaving. I think this could be a not a maybe maybe not a last stop, but this could be a mainstay for him for a while. I think. I can see, see, I can see Lane Kiffin wanting to leave for a better job. Here's the thing: I don't see better jobs wanting Lane Kiffin, despite the success, and that's because of his radioactivity. And everywhere he goes, he seems to cause a lot of controversy. And I don't know if a bunch of schools want that with their program right now, um, like Oklahoma. Obviously, I think Lane Kiffin might be one of the best choices. I just don't see them going that way because I think a lot of ads are afraid of hiring Lane Kiffin. And, and they're justified in that. You know, um, I actually saw, speaking, I don't know why, but Oklahoma's, uh, I saw them eyeing uh, Kendall Bryles. Yeah. I've heard them going, uh, you know, there's not an Oklahoma podcast, so let's, you know, I'll try not to expand on that. But um, Matt Corral, even though his stats weren't amazing, 234 pass yards, one touchdown, one interception, 45 rush yards. And Pat, um, you can kind of confirm this or not I thought the 45 rush yards were extremely important because it felt like every third and long or whatever it was it was Matt Corral getting out of the pocket and running somebody over for a first down the whole game see that I mean that's what I loved about Matt this entire season is his ability to extend the plays extend drives and the run, the run game wasn't effective at times, and Matt Corral gave that extra little boost that basically won us the game. I think yeah. I think Matt Corral, his stats won't show it this season, but the dude has been just to be he's he's made the plays when they're when they're necessary, and the stats aren't won't blow you away or anything. I think it's like seventeen touchdowns, some like ten. How many interceptions was it? Three or four interceptions. So stats aren't going to blow you away. But I think, like... He's exactly what they needed. He's exactly what they needed. And I think you can tell that he was willing to do whatever it took to win games. And that's why y'all ended up with 10 wins. is not because Matt Corral lit up the scoreboard. More so because he... He did exactly what was asked of him when it was asked of him. And that was be a gamer when it mattered. Um, a few things. Lane Kiffin now 2-0, which also makes Mike Leach 0-2. And, and while Ole Miss finished the season 10-2, let's give a little bit of a shout-out to Mike Leach State. They had a terrible year last last year, and I think they finished 7-5. Uh, and and or, no, 8-4. Was it 7-5? Dang, I totally got that wrong. But, yes, yeah, so 7-5, and five, that's, a, that's a good year for Mississippi State, especially coming from last year. They keep on building on that. Mississippi State could be a real problem next year. So we said six and six for Mississippi State in the preseason, so thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. Ole Miss did exactly what we said they were going to do. Yeah, they did. Um, I had that game predicted twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Ole Miss kind of um, really, really dominated a little bit more than I I expected in that game. Wait, yeah, I, we I said who? Who was Ole Miss's second loss? Auburn. That's right. Wow. That I didn't predict. 
ready to move on to the Friday game? Jack, I know you're ready. I'm ready, and I'll actually start us off. Let me just say this. Um, I'm excited for next year if Traylon Burks stays. He's not. Probably not. He's going in the first round. Why would he stay? Because he's, I don't know, because he's from Arkansas. The man literally hunts hogs with his bare hands and kills them. He's not Peyton Manning, okay? He's Traylon Burks. I punched him one more year, and I'll never look back. I will say, I just want to shout out myself here. Um, I predicted this game 34-20 Arkansas. It was 34-17. I have no idea so what I predicted this game. Pretty damn what? I have no idea what I predicted this game. I, said, I think I said 28-24. Yeah. But, I have, what I have for Missouri, what they had to do to win the game, let Tyler Beatty loose and hit the play-action pass off those run games. Well, they let Tyler Beatty loose on the tune of 41 carries for 219 yards and a touchdown. He ran all over the Arkansas defense. The problem was... No, he, he, had, a, he had an okay day. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, 41 carries. The ideal game for a running back is 20 carries and 100 yards. He had 41 carries, 219. So he did a little bit above average. He had 219 yards. On 41 carries. I'll take that. I'll take that all day long. All I know is Eli Drinkwitz sucks. That's 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 over five yards of carries. I mean, that's that's proficient. The problem was, and I thought I had this written. I do. Connor Basilak, ten of twenty-six for sixty-five yards and an interception. Meaty. They put in uh, Brady at the end. What's his name? I feel like I feel like it was pretty clear Arkansas's game plan. Just let Arkansas. Uh, Missouri try to run the ball down their throats because they knew they wouldn't be able to score enough points of doing that and force Basilak to beat them, and he proved that he couldn't do it. Yep. So uh, I'll say honestly, Arkansas wasn't really dominant dominant on the ground either. They only totaled one sixty three as a team, but they killed Missouri through the air with two hundred sixty two. I mean, yards. by so by your math, they averaged five yards a carry though. So I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, but 163 is a whole team. I mean, you know. They average, they just threw it more. I'm, I'm, look, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not. It's, well, that's what I'm saying. Is they By the way, 15 of 19 from uh, KJ Jefferson. It's extremely efficient with the 15 completions, 262 yards. That was very, very good. Um, but honestly, if you're, if you're watching this game, it was just more of a workman's-like performance by Arkansas. They didn't blow Missouri out. I think they could have if they played their A game. Arkansas, I feel like, was just trying to get past this game. That's the vibe I got just watching Arkansas. KJ for Heisman next year. Okay. <laughs> KJ for obesity next year. I'm hey! Uh, <laughs> there is no fat shaming here. Also, um, last shout-out, Trayvon Burke, seven receptions, 129 yards and touchdowns in his last regular season game for Arkansas. Shut up. It's not his last game. There's no. There's been no inclination. No. There's nothing. He's, it's not even been a whisper that he's leaving. Okay, probably because everybody knows it's a foregone conclusion. Right. But anything else from, that y'all thought about this game, like I said, it was more of a workman's like performance for Arkansas. I wouldn't say Missouri really ever had a chance, even though I guess the score kind of – as they did, but not really. See, I'm I'm impressed with the fact that Arkansas under Sam Pittman got the eight wins this year. 
Like, they worked their tails off the entire season. I, I'm looking forward to Arkansas getting back to consistent top 25s in the future. Zero losses to out-of-conference teams. Finishing third in the SEC. West. I'm good with it. Hey, yeah, if you told me that at the beginning of the year, I would my head might have spun off my shoulders out of excitement. Do y'all have anything left to say about this one? I don't, actually. Um, let's go ahead and move on. The Florida State at Florida, which a game that was the ending score 24-21 Florida. Uh, I would say the score is not totally indicative of how the game went. I feel like Big word there, Will. Hey, thank you. Good job. Been waiting on that one. Um, <laughs> Uh, Florida State scores a late, a late score to make it feel a little bit closer. I, I didn't know if y'all saw the Florida State whip on the onside kick. Did y'all happen to see this? Yes, I did. That was as hell. How do you just miss on an onside kick? That that, that was the story of the game for me, to be honest. I, did y'all, did y'all, y'all have any thoughts on this game? Um, congratulations to Florida getting a win. I, I thought they would just lie over and take it on this one. But I did too. I, I had Florida State winning this game. But but honestly, congrats. I'm happy for those guys at Florida. Obviously, a lot of the Florida players are very kind of open at this point about, yeah, we're probably gone. But uh, Well, they got Billy Napier, so I, th- I think he's going to encourage a lot of – keep a lot of people from transferring, which is a good thing. Um, Florida's defense, I will say, the story of this game, turning, turning uh, Florida State over three times – the problem is Emory Jones gave them the ball back an equal amount of times, having three picks, which led to uh, Anthony Richardson coming in, going five for seven, 55 yards, a touchdown, and 27 rushing yards, which, I mean, it's not great, but I feel like he did what he had to do. Yeah, five for seven's pretty good. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. It's, you know, it's decent. But um, there's not much, I feel like there's not much to talk about with this game. Um, Florida gets into a bowl game. There's that. I honestly, I, I think you can make the argument, if you ask a lot of Florida fans, they probably don't want to go to a bowl game. They probably just want Billy Napier to come in, just focus on recruiting, which I think he's going to do anyways, and just kind of work, start working towards next year because they don't give a damn about it, whatever Birmingham Bowl-type bowl they go to. They don't care. So, I, I, honestly, I bet if most Florida fans, they want to be able to say they went to a bowl, but outside of that, I don't think they'll really care. Um, but I'm sure they're happy. Who would have... Who at the beginning of this year, we called a few coaches probably getting fired this year, but Dan Mullen was not one of them. Yeah. Um, and also, we will talk about the Billy Napier hire here in a minute once we get to team news, so we're not just disregarding that. We'll get to that in a minute. All right, let's move on to the next game. We'll go through this one quickly. Not much to talk about. Georgia at Georgia Tech. I had this predicted 45-7. to Score was 45-0 if Georgia Tech had scored one touchdown. I would have been right, but they're scrubs. So, um, Georgia's going to the SEC Championship versus Alabama. On cruise control. Yeah, they held Georgia Tech to 166 total yards um, and gained 463 by themselves. But somehow, Georgia Tech, with 166 total yards, still won the time of possession, 33-27, which I don't know how that's possible. But moving on to a really great game. Jack wanted to start with this one. 
Alabama at Auburn. You all started off. All right, so let's talk about this Alabama team real quick. I know we're not talking about the championship game yet, but, man, if you're an Alabama fan, you probably aren't feeling great with Bryce Young going 25 of 51, 49% completion percentage there. Uh, <laughs> not not good, Bob. Not good. Now, that doesn't mean that Alabama didn't take care of business when Alabama needed to take care of business, but the problem is Alabama had to take care of business against an, an Auburn team which – in my opinion, should never have been in this situation. This game should have never been this close, but they struggled mightily. Will I want to? I want to know though. Like, what do you think Auburn has just been prepping for this game all year, <laughs> or do you think Alabama just was trying to look forward to Georgia? That's that's think, the only two things I can think of. I think Alabama. I, I think Nick Saban struggles and and uh, down. What's, what's it called? Birmingham. They, they when he plays Auburn in their house. I can't think of what their stadium. Jordan Hare. Jordan O'Hare, Yeah, he, he he really he really struggles, and I thought he was about to lose it. Man, if Tank Bigsby, I know he's like awake at night thinking about man, if I had just gone down, they most likely win the game. If I'm an Auburn fan watching that game, I feel like the whole country outside of Alabama fans were rooting for Auburn to win this game. Uh, I would be sick. I would be physically sick. You were that close to beating Alabama. And I'll just point out, Nick Saban at the end of this game, and we'll get into the overtime here in a minute. Nick Saban at the end of this game didn't seem mad, was smiling, which we never see Nick Saban do. Not, I'm not blaming him, but did it not just feel like Nick Saban seemed soft? I'm not saying that. Because Nick Saban's he's the guy he's great. I don't think he's going anywhere. But you see where I'm coming from? Like he, any other Nick Saban is lambasting this team. I I'm very. Have you seen what he said about this about Georgia? We're not going to talk about it right now. But have you seen it? No. All right. Well, we'll talk about it later some more. But. It kind of goes along with what you're saying, and I don't know if maybe Alabama, maybe maybe Alabama's, you know, second coming is maybe just his old age is making him a little softer. They say once he starts to get soft, it's about time to retire. So I mean, I'm just saying, maybe Nick Saban should retire. Yeah, no. just going through the game. Real quick. <laughs> Let me read. One minute, eleven seconds left with ninety-seven yards to go, and everybody knows what happens. They go down and score the touchdown. My thing with this last possession, Auburn is sending blitzes all game, getting to Bryce Young, forcing him to. Make I bad know. Play. Why didn't they do it? Why? Why are you dropping? Why are you drop? Why are you putting seven in coverage? The this, last time they stopped that. Derek Mason, I love it. You've done a great job at Auburn. Terrible play calling on the last series. You're sitting back and letting him pick you apart, and that's exactly what he did. Leads this game going into four overtimes. And if I'm Auburn, dude, go for two. Go for two in the first two overtimes. You don't want to get into a two-point shootout with a backup quarterback who's on a bum ankle against Alabama. What are you doing? Yeah, I think... You're going to have to go for two anyways to beat these dudes. Might as well do it as you have a chance to win. That, that was just my opinion. Um, Brian Harson made, like I said, Brian Harson made a couple decisions that I don't agree with. That being said, he had Auburn... Of, 
about to beat Alabama when he shouldn't, so I think you look forward to that, even though they do end the season six and six, and six which is definitely a little bit disappointing if you're an Auburn fan. I feel like seven and five, eight and four is where they very easily could have been. Obviously, you lose your starting quarterback. TJ Finley's not the answer. Um, so they got to find an answer. They do have to find the answer quarterback there for next year. And from what I've I seen, Bo Nix is not a, not exactly committal to staying. No, he's not. Which would be so weird seeing Bo Nix play anywhere else. All right, y'all ready to move on? That again, all all time game um, was really fun to watch. So, yeah, Jack, you're good. All right, Jack's gonna. Dismiss himself for a second. So it's me and Pat. Pat, you ready to move on to Tennessee and Vanderbilt? I I am ready. I actually, this was a game that I found very interesting. Okay, I'll, I'll let you tell me why here in a second. I have predicted this game 56-21. Tennessee wins 45-21. to um, Again, I'm getting I'm getting one score right here pretty much every time. Not, not to flex my muscle, but flex my muscle. Hey, Pat, if I start cutting out, just wave your hand. And by the way, just just yeah. in case. All right, so getting into this game, this, again, kind of like the Arkansas game, I see this as a Tennessee workman's-like performance. Tennessee has come out every game and looked really good and looked like they've been prepared. Tennessee looked like they could care less about playing Vanderbilt. I mean, that pretty much how any of the SEC teams that have played Vandy this year have come out. I'm I mean, besides Georgia, everybody's just kind of been like, oh, it's Vanderbilt. Like, he's a dub. Yeah, I'm not going to read many stats. I think Tennessee had two um, two running backs over 100 yards. Like, like if you watch the Tennessee offense, they weren't going very fast. The only time the Tennessee offense really looked like the Tennessee offense was the first two series coming out of halftime. And they scored really fast on, I think, both of those series. Like I said, Tennessee wins comfortably, doesn't cover the spread, not going to get stats because no one cares. Um, Josh Heupel does achieve the best record out of any first-year head coach at 7-5. and five. Which, I mean, for Josh Heupel coming over from UCF and Tennessee at the beginning of the year looking like they're in shambles, that is great. 7-5, first year? I, I have been 6-6, so I'll take it. Go Hulls. I, I, I was impressed. Uh, I mean, Hindenhooker wasn't, you know, lighting up the uh, stat sheet passing, but the, the run game by Tennessee was incredible. I will give them that. And it does look as if Hindenhooker will be coming back next year, which is huge for, for uh, Tennessee. Because if he goes, who's going to be the quarterback? Certainly not. We get somebody out of the transfer portal, I think, Josh okay there but Hinton Hooker coming back um, you have Cedric Tillman probably coming back in that case so this offense is going to stay together uh, moving on to the A&M versus LSU in another great game oh my goodness this was just so fun to watch I had Texas A&M winning this game but LSU and Ed Ogeron pulls it off to gain full eligibility Ed Ogeron's last game in Death Valley, 27-24, on a magical last touchdown. He will also not be coaching the bowl game. Will he not? No. Yeah, that's a a shame. That's kind of expected. Hey, look, go out on top in in your own stadium. I I, have no problem with that. Um, What what are y'all's thoughts on this game? Um, 
I don't really have any. Like it. Like I just feel like Texas A and M has been so wishy washy all year. I feel like LSU has enough talent to take advantage of stuff like this, but like this game, I couldn't have cared less about. What? Okay, Jack, stop talking. If you don't care, don't talk about. It. All right, LSU got up to an early 10-0 lead, and I I thought Texas A and M was just going to go in just kind of. Again, Workman's like performance, maybe not blow out LSU because they do have talent at night, Death Valley, but they'll just kind of ho hum this game and end up winning. Not the case as LSU get out gets out to an early lead, taking a seventeen to seven lead into halftime. Texas A and M did wake up in the second half as they got two touchdowns, taking the lead, and then the last drive. Pat, were you watching this last drive with I was LSU down twenty four to twenty. Last chance under two a two minute drill for the LSU Tigers and it ends off with a third down from the twenty eight yard line. Jare Jenkins catches a deep ball from Max Johnson for the game winning touchdown. Uh, you know I think that's what any college football fan wanted to see for Yokocho. If the you could just see it coming, I mean it, it was a magical touchdown, like now immaculate. We we do have to (laughs) probably recognize that it probably was pass interference. Pretty sure the wide receiver pushed off, but if you're a referee, you better not throw that flag. You might have the whole state of Louisiana knocking at your door the next day. Yeah, I don't think they made it out of the stadium. Yeah, I don't (laughs) think so. A big story this game, Texas A&M, 3 of 14 on third down. Yeah, that's they deserve to lose the game. And I will say LSU wasn't that much better. I think it. I, I didn't write it down, but it was not much better. Zach Calzada actually had an okay game: twenty of thirty-five, two hundred forty-two yards, three touchdowns with an eighty-five QBR. The only thing you could ask more is just a few more completions. If you go twenty-five, thirty-five, do you win the game? Possibly. I mean, you just never know. But the problem with A and M is they could not run the ball at, at all with fifty-four rushing yards on twenty-eight carries. I think that's the story of the game and the only reason LSU wins. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the key for most of the season is you can beat Texas A&M by locking down Isaiah Spiller. He didn't get going with the ball, and, I mean, I'll I'll attest it to A&M losing that game. And one last congratulations to Ed Ogeron, that post-game interview, the one last go times. And you could just see the... Tears kind of coming in his eyes. I would have loved to see one come down his face. Probably would have made any grown men cry. Um, you know, I, I, I think most people wanted Ojon win that last game, and it was very awesome to see. As far as, as, big, as big of a scumbag as that Ojon is. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. All right, he was passionate on. about football. Yeah, let's move on to Among the other things. Move on to the baby seal clubbing that was Kentucky and Louisville. Um, a game I thought well, that would be pretty close. Not so as Kentucky drums uh, Louisville. <laughs> uh, wasn't close from the beginning. Never was. For when I had Kentucky winning the game, they had to contain Louisville's quarterback, and they did exactly that, holding him to 35 rushing yards. Malik Cunningham is kind of... He's not Lamar Jackson. I'm making Lamar Jackson comparison because he's a Louisville quarterback, obviously. But he plays in that same fashion. 
using his legs, and they completely stopped that. And Louisville's job was to stop the running game. They failed miserably. <laughs> 362 rushing yards. I mean, and Will Levis was looking like a, a white Michael Vick out there. Yeah, he, he really did. He, he runs, and he doesn't look like he's going very fast. I'm just going to I'm just gonna go out there and say it. It doesn't look like a very athletic But run, he's also but super tall, so that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. He's taking like five yards a step. <laughs> yeah, he had 113 yards on the ground, and uh, Chris Rodriguez had 121 with Wando Robinson getting 97 receiving yards. So not too much to talk about with this game. Kentucky, like I said, baby seal clubbing, back of the woodsheds banking, uh, I bet they, that felt good for Kentucky, just spanking a rivalry. Moving on to another spanking, just not in the SEC's favor, Clemson at South Carolina. I'll let y'all start this one. I would like to um, say... Um, uh, um, yeah? I got none. <laughs> yeah, to say, I'm still impressed with Shane Beamer getting the six wins uh, oh, in a year. Clemson's screwed, though. Clemson is – they're screwed. Why? All you have to do is stop the run. What? If you can stop the run against Clemson, they're screwed. Like that. Well, they'll, probably, they'll probably find a quarterback. They'll have the next five-star. They'll have more offensive line and more running backs. Um, now, I will say – Clemson only had 99 passing yards in this game, so they just kind of dominated on the ground, 265 yards. But the defense, obviously, the story. Brent Venables might be going to Oklahoma, by the way, and their defense held. South Brent Venables might be going somewhere every year. I will believe it when I see it. But to be fair, this is a high-level job in Oklahoma, so that could be a little bit different. Now, again, who knows? But holding South Carolina 200 total yards. Again, there's not really much to say about this. Clemson just whooped them. And, you know, hey, if you're a South Carolina fan, I wouldn't feel too bad about it. You don't have the talent to compete with Clemson right now, and that's okay. You're not supposed to. You got six wins. You're going to a bowl game in Shane Beamer's first year. No matter how you got there, if you're there, celebrate it and move on to next year. I'm with you. I think, um, I think, I think South Carolina fans have a lot to look forward to. All right, that concludes our – Last week, the last that concludes the last game of the regular season for SEC play. Four one out, moment of silence. Long enough. All right. So after, so do y'all want to take a break and then we can get to team news? Yeah, let's take a break. All right. All right. Let's start team news. Obviously, not a whole bunch of team news coming around the ladder this week. Uh, most teams probably won't have much. Mostly year in review, which we'll do our own episode for that, but um, we'll go down in alphabet- alphabetical order, as always, and we're starting off with Alabama, and there isn't really much to talk about. Just to who we have. Yeah, so well, I do want to just say one thing about Alabama, because it, it is interesting. Um, obviously, um, Nick Saban uh, released some comments just basically saying that Georgia was a complete team, and... Um, I don't know. It's just, it. He seemed very the way he, the way he said it makes me feel like this is very much so him kind of saying like yeah, you know I'm not gonna say it out loud but don't be surprised if we lose this game. But either way, touchdowns. But yeah, huh? 
by multiple touchdowns. Yeah, so, you know, I'm not, uh, there's, there's not much to elaborate on there, uh, but I am excited to say that Sam Pittman for Arkansas, moving on to Arkansas, obviously, maxed out his pay increase for the 2022 year. What? Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? I'm like, he, did he hit all of his incentives? Yep. Every single one. He didn't have an incentive to win a national championship? No. So if he'd won a national championship, he'd have gotten no bonuses. I'm sure they would have just... Okay, so he didn't max out his bonus. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just you know, saying. No, it, I was, he maxed out his bonus. Like, everything that was on the table for him to get this year, he got. I want to be a wet blanket and say uh, if he had won a national championship, they probably would have given him a little bit more debt. They probably would have given him a lifetime contract. Yeah, it's true. That's <laughs> the Sam Pittman. The, the, the thing is keeping his coordinators all these big-time jobs open. I think Barry Odom stays. Kendall Bryles is a candidate to leave, and that would be interesting to see. Um, yeah, so do you have any new other news for Arkansas? Um, obviously... I guess the only other one would be people kind of questioning whether or not Traylon Burks' last game was this weekend. Yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of figure that out later. Do you have anything for Arkansas or Auburn? Um, uh, I guess if you want to call it news, yes. Bo Nix, um, like we alluded to earlier, uh, was very cryptic when he was talking about his 2022 plans. Um, and a presser after the game uh, wasn't was very non-committal to Auburn. I would say that would be so interesting to see Bo Nix not at all. That just feels like he is Auburn through and through. But I don't think he goes to the NFL. I mean, he definitely wouldn't get drafted. I don't think uh, it would. Yeah, man, seeing him anywhere else but Auburn, especially in the SEC, if he would go, if he would stay in the SEC, would be so weird. Yeah, I agree. I think he'd be a good quarterback at UAB. Oh, yeah, sure. Will he? Will he? Well, no. Really. All right, let's move on to the Florida Gators. And obviously, we have a lot to talk about here. They have hired, I can never say it right, the University of Louisiana Lafayette's coach Billy Napier as their next head coach, replacing Dan Mullen. What are y'all's initial thoughts? And before y'all go, I just want to read off some stats. In four years, at Louisiana, he was 39-12 and 12. the last three seasons, each um, have totaling over 10 win seasons. So he's been very successful, especially in the last three. His first season, he went 7-7. Uh, seven and seven. He's been to the Cure Bowl, the Lending Tree Bowl, and the First Responder Bowl. And I'm assuming they'd go to a big bowl this season. Um, but he is gone, and he is at Florida. What are y'all thoughts? Um, it's a good hire. It makes sense. Uh, I know we ran a poll on Twitter. Do we have the results of that? Uh, yes. There was like almost 80% or above that was cautiously optimistic about the hire or like it was a home run hire. So hmm. it was the pretty much, and we got a bunch of, bunch of input on that. So Florida Gator fans especially are feeling themselves on this hire. I think this is the this is the right hire for them in my opinion. I mean this this makes sense. It's a safe guy. It's you know, you're 
you're getting something that's a known commodity. Like, you know what you're going to get. Is he going to win you a national championship? Probably not, but he's going to make you all competitive year in, year out. Yeah, absolutely. And just things to look forward to. Okay, so what is y'all's initial response of just who do you who do you think Billy Napier is as a coach for me specifically? I like Billy Napier as a coach. I think he's solid. Now, he has never been a head coach at this level, and that's always a concern. It's not the end-all, be-all, obviously. Um, but he's going into a Florida Gators job that has very high expectations, and Dan Mullen witnessed that firsthand. I do think Billy Napier recognizes how important it is it will be recruit. So that would be very interesting to see. Um, but as far as I head coach, I'm going to be honest. And this is just my opinion. You can kill me if you want to. I don't think he's a great. I, I don't think he is the guy there. I don't think he's a championship winning head coach. And that's obviously the nation at Florida. I don't think he is the guy get over. Are you playing something? Me? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm reading. St- I'm trying to find his contract numbers. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I haven't seen that either. Oh, Can you hear no. something? Is something like playing from my end? Yeah. I don't know why. But What um, does it sound like? It sounds like you're playing a video, but I, I don't know. Oh, no, I'm sorry. My bad. Yeah, uh, but, but, yeah, now I've lost my train of thought. So y'all, y'all take it away for me here. Um, I'm trying to find any kind of numbers on this contract. I'm not seeing anything. Um, so, so I know what I was saying. I, I was thinking... Is he the guy to beat Georgia? Right now I'm saying no, obviously. I don't know. I mean, that's just my opinion. But a few things to look at if you're Billy Napier. Talent range. He is not coming to Georgia and having in Georgia. Florida, <laughs> having to turn this thing around. Florida is the 12th most talented team in the nation. Obviously, being in Florida, you can throw a rock out the window and hit a four and five star. It, it's very probably going to be very attractive for transfer people and everybody else. So I don't think this is going to be much of a rebuild, if at all, for Billy Napier. He's just got to get his staff in. Now, staff is going to be extremely important. There have been a lot of very big names rumored to come on with the staff. He's had a while to fill it out because I feel like this has been going on for about a month now, and we'll probably see that in the next week or two because of the recruiting deadline. Another thing to look at for this team, What's their schedule next year? They start out hot playing Utah in the first week of the season. That is going to be a tough game. It is at home, but it's a tough game. And then you have Kentucky in the second week of the season. So, Florida has two really tough games, supposedly, in his first two first two games as a head coach. That's something to look at. Yeah, I mean, I think... I don't know. I think this is, again, I think this is the right hire. I think they need to be patient. Foreign fans need to be patient with this guy because he is a very, very good, proven coach. I just, it's not going to be a day one thing. Never was. I don't think it ever will be. You look at the first four games Billy Napier has, and again, trying to look forward to what it could be like. We're going to assume that Florida will not be coming out out of the gates extremely hot because again first game second game third game fourth game with a new head coach you're probably not hitting on all cylinders their first four games at home versus utah at home versus kentucky at home versus usf which i mean they should win and then they go on the road to play tennessee that could very well be a very rough first four games for florida now did tennessee beat florida this year I can't. I couldn't remember. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
after they beat Tennessee, that that's when they kind of fell off the cliff, lost to Kentucky and everybody else. But Tennessee's luck right there. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's what I'm saying. But Tennessee actually might get lucky and might be the perfect group to play them early. But again, those that first four-game stretch for Billy Napier, and I, I don't really think that's going to tell you anything about how his coaching career is going to go, but if he can go 2-2, two 3-1 and two, three and one in that stretch, or 4-0, oh, that could really help stabilize launch his trajectory um, at Florida as a head coach. That first four games could really determine the trajectory for the rest of his time at Florida. One and three, there's probably not a lot of enthusiasm. And Florida also draws Texas A&M as their West opponent, who I'm assuming is going to be pretty good. Yeah, that blows. (laughs) That is... And that's on the road as well. And that's just a few things to look at for Billy Napier. Again, I think it's a solid hire for Florida. I think he's going to do good things. It, again, is, is he going? To, the question is: Is he going to be able to get them to win the East? Is he going to be able to compete in SEC championships? We don't know. My guess is no. I mean, I, if I'm just being honest, I'm a Tennessee fan. I have a little bias. My guess is no. I, I think yes. I think maybe not. In maybe not next year, maybe not the year after that, but give it two years. I think he's right up there. I mean, this is just, that's just my personal opinion. I really think that he's he's got the minerals. It's just about can he put it together in the SEC? A few other things just to look at. By the way, I was totally wrong on uh, I, I, I need to go back and look at that about their overall talent. Yeah, they're twelfth in the nation right now, not uh, total team composite rankings, but. Uh, yeah. Pat, what do you think? See, I, I think this is uh, kind of a slam dunk hire for Florida. Uh, Billy Napier has a reputation as a team builder, and I think he's the guy that can uh, really bring this Florida team back together because this has been a strange year for him. And I, I really believe that uh, give it two or three years and Billy Napier will have Florida – Back in the top 15, uh, he's going to have a lot more talent than he did at ULL. So uh, I think good on Florida for getting probably one of the best names in this uh, coaching cycle. I was I was actually wrong. Florida had the most talented team in the nation. So, like I said, Billy Napier can come in and make a splash really fast. Whether he will or not, again, first year head coach. It could be rough. I'm not completely sold on Anthony Richards personally. I know some people are. I don't think it's really been that great. But, uh, yeah, that's just a bunch of things to look at. Obviously, as a Florida fan, you've got to be excited about this. you got one of the hottest coaches for the past couple of years. He's turned down a multitude of great jobs, and he respected the Florida job enough to take it. And, obviously, rightfully so, it's a great job. So. Yeah, that's yeah, it does come with a lot of expectation, but like I said, I think if Florida yeah. fans can just temper those expectations for two or three years, I think they'll be fine. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that they really have to temper expectations. Obviously, first year always temper expectations. Second year, I think he, like I said, this should not be a rebuild. There's so much talent, especially with the transfer portal. If people transfer out, guess what? You can get people to transfer in. It's the Florida Gators. People want to play there. It's not, not void of talent. Moving on to Georgia. Good news for them. Ohio State lost. Who, personally, I thought Ohio State was Georgia's only chance of not winning a national championship with their offense. But Michigan stonewalled 
Ohio State. That, Mich- that Michigan de- – look, if it's Michigan-Georgia in the championship, it's a 0-3 game. It, very, it could like be a rerun of the Georgia-Clemson game. I just – I don't see Michigan being – especially Jim Harbaugh. That would be like Jim Harbaugh. That talk about two coaches that can't win the big game playing off. Someone's got to win the game, right? Um, maybe it just goes into 10 overtimes. They split the national championship. The trophy's but, actually cake. They just split it. I think that obviously the big – Georgia could lose No one thought week. that was funny but me. Georgia could lose this week versus Ohio, or Alabama and still make the playoffs. They don't really have anything to play for or anything. This week. I think they could literally lose 50 and still make the playoffs. Oh, without a doubt, if they lose, they're still making the playoffs. All right, let's move on to the Kentucky Wildcats. Devontae Ross, three-star decommits, but they get a four-star, borderline five-star, five-star at Sunset, I believe. Barry on Brown commits from Nashville, four- five-star wide receiver, which is huge to get playmakers in this offense, which is I think is what they're lacking. Obviously, we see what Wandale Robinson can do. They get a few more of those guys in here. Man, and someone brought up a point. Kentucky might be one of the best jobs in the country. And hear me out. This is why. They get all the money. They have all the resources with low expectations. If you're a coach, you can win in eight, nine games and take your time to build something. And the fans won't be mad. That might be one of the best jobs in the country. I've never thought about it, but Will does make a good point right there. Is... Is Mark Stoops leaving? Like, is that almost like a foregone conclusion? No, I don't think he's. I don't think he's leaving at all. I thought the candidates for. I mean, unless Oklahoma hires him, and I don't think that will be the case. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see leaving. It's he. He's almost being the perfect balancing act of winning enough to make noise, but losing enough probably to scare people off from hiring him. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like just. Like, he wins one or two more games this year. I think everybody's coming after him, right? But he, lost, he kind of stumbled and lost a few games. Which for Kentucky fans, I don't want to speak for him, but they're okay with that. Nine and three at Kentucky is a damn good year. They'll take that. I think Kentucky's starting to expect more, actually. I, I mean, think they are, too. I, I think they are, too, but they haven't yet. If he goes eight and four next year, I don't think they're going to be upset. No. But he's been – I think his thing, though, is, like, for a school that maybe – has been in the dumps. That's the perfect tire because if you're a school with prestige, all you need to do is get back to that consistent level, and then a bunch of a bunch more coaches are gonna be wanting that job. And I think, like, eventually, Sam Pittman's old. So for me, as an Arkansas fan, I'm aware that it's not gonna last forever. He's not gonna leave for another job. I have no worries of that. But if he can keep us good enough for a while. Then whenever he retires, it's not that bad of a job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, Kentucky has a great recruiting class coming together, ranked 14th natural, nationally and fifth in the SEC with only 18 commits. Um, I think they have a few uh, one transfer from Syracuse coming in, but they'll probably have a lot more. It'll be interesting to see if Wando Robinson declares. I've heard he might come back, which would be massive for this team. But let's move on to LSU. Obviously, another massive topic broke right before we started recording. Can't broke right before you you got here. I, I, I was getting text messages about this one all day. Um, for some reason, I just some of my sources that I've had for a while were letting me know that this was going to happen. 
Then I started seeing tweets about it, and then I started seeing press releases about it, and then all of a sudden it was, and Brian Kelly is going to be the next coach at LSU. And if you ask me, I think this is one of the worst hires they could have possibly made. I don't think this is the right one. I think Brian Kelly is a serial mediocre coach. I think I don't know if it's going to work. I don't think it will work. I think this is a three years, three year coach, and they're done. You know, I almost agree with you. I think he's going to do good at LSU. Serial mediocrity is the best way to put it. Uh, I think he can win 10 11 games at LSU. The problem is they expect national championships, and rightfully so. Is he a national championship head coach? I don't think so because he's had a lot of talent at Notre Dame, and every time he gets to the playoff, he gets pantsed. Absolutely pantsed. Now, I will say at LSU, he's going to have much more talent. And I also, if you look at it like this, do you think Brian Kelly is a better coach than Ed Ozron or Les Miles? My answer to that question is yes, and both of those coaches won a national championship. So why the hell can Brian Kelly not win a national championship? A scrub named Nick Saban won one there too. Just saying. Yeah. Well, yeah. But What's he doing Saban, nowadays? I don't know. I heard he was insurance or something. Selling <laughs> insurance, yeah, probably. Yeah. My, my <laughs> reaction: I don't think Brian Kelly's a national championship head coach, but. If Ed Ogeron and Les Miles can do it, he can too. I agree with that, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you want to hear an interesting fact? I do. I like interesting facts. Before today, there has never been a Notre Dame coach to leave for another team, ever. Actually, there's never been another head coach to leave Notre Dame at all, except for, I think, in the 1930s or 40s, Notre Dame's head coach retired to go farm. To go what? To be a farmer. And and when? In like I think in like the early nineteen hundreds. But yeah, Notre Dame's coach has never left for another job ever. Notre Dame needs to join a conference. Otherwise that job I who are they gonna get? Dude, that's a good question. They I feel like you know what? I feel like Mark Stoops would be a perfect fit for that job. That is the oh dude, you're not honestly you're not wrong, but I think that is the beauty of this coaching carousel is yes, we have all these massive jobs coming open, but the great thing about it is LSU closes, but that just opens up Notre Dame, which is another top tier job in the country. So man, if this thing just keeps on going, we still have Oklahoma open. Uh, which one I know we have some others open, but I can't think of Virginia Tech still hasn't hired anybody and it's not a exactly a top premier job. I, I mean, but that's, that's still a good team. Like, that... This is this is a year when a coordinator makes their name. This is why I think Kendall Riles is gone, by the way. I think Kendall Riles is gone from Arkansas by the end of the, by the, end of the coaching carousel. Do we have anything from Mississippi State or Missouri? Um, I don't. I mean, I... All right, so I just want to go ahead and start talking about Ole Miss here. Jeff Levy. That is a coordinator that I think could be leaving. He, I feel like he's one of the most thought-out coordinators in the country because he has been running this offense, obviously, with Lane Kiffin's help. But I've heard he has really been running this offense. And he has all the positives of Lane Kiffin without the radioactivity. So not only is he in the, job, in the clue for maybe a head coaching job, but he's also up for very, very elite coordinator jobs. 
Because if Oklahoma were to hire Brett, Brett Venables from Clemson, obviously defensive head coach needs. Ooh, what about Brent, what about Brent Venables to? I think he would be another. He's another one of those guys. I don't think Brent Venables at um at Oklahoma makes much sense to me. That's an offense school, and like. But if they hire Jeff Levy as the offensive coordinator, you still have that offense. Yeah. And also, if you're Oklahoma, you're coming into the SEC in a few years. Not only do you need offense, I think you're going to get that no matter what. You need a defense. Brent Littables is your option there. I think maybe. But I, I also tend to lean towards I – don't, I don't think – I'm almost not certain Britton Venables is going to leave again. I, again, I'm not going to I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Yeah. All right, Pat, what do, uh, Pat, what do you think about Jeff Levy? How important is he to Ole Miss? Um, you know, he, he's the de facto play caller. Yeah, Lane Kiffin designed the offensive scheme. But Jeff Levy is what makes that train run. And I, I feel like he, he is a coach that I could see getting a head coaching job this this cycle. But I could also see him if a defensive minded coach went to Oklahoma or even Notre Dame. I feel like he would be a premier add to any staff. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jack, what you said about Mark Stoops in Notre Dame, I just want to revisit that. I hadn't thought about that. That's a big job. Kind of in the area that Mark Stoops has been recruiting for a very long time, so he's very familiar with the area. Chance to get out of the SEC. Um, obviously, again, he's going to face high expectations. I don't also don't. I think Mark Stoops really is happy at Kentucky. I don't, I don't see him really wanting to leave. But a, a job like Notre Dame is very enticing. That could be very interesting to see. I just think I think his personality and Notre Dame's personality as a football program meet, meet in the middle, and I think they just mesh really well. You know what? Difference, Brian Kelly at LSU. Dude, you're not kidding. You're not kidding at all. That makes zero sense. That, that's why I don't like the hire. Like, I really don't like it at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't very much either. Back to Ole Miss, though. Matt Corral is going after the season. That leaves them with the quarterback opening, and there are many out there. You have Dylan Gabriel from UCF, who is a baller, played under Jeff Levy, under Josh Heupel, um, in his time. And you have Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, who's very – I've seen a lot of rumors of him possibly going to Ole Miss. He's incredibly talented. Let's not discount that at all with Spencer Rattler. I think the pressure got to him. Maybe this – hopefully this was a humbling experience. But as – but, man, he – I'm not going to discount – I'm not going to discount him. I think he's got the – some of the best upside in college football. So, Pat, as an old Miss fan, first tell us what you think about both, and then tell us which one you would prefer. See, both have all the talent in the world, but Spencer Rattler is locker room cancer, and Ole Miss doesn't need a personality like that. I mean, we, we've already got a little bit of controversy, you know, with, with Lane and his past. We don't need Spencer Rattler coming in. But do you think they would mesh well? Like I, th- I think I think that would be a good that would be a good place for him. I think the the better fit would be Dylan Gabriel because he's played under Jeff Levy. He is a. It is. There's no I in team. Like he is all. He is a team player. And he, 
I think he would run the offense a lot better than Spencer Rattler. I do, too, because he's run that offense already. I will say about Dylan Gabriel, from watching him, because I have watched a lot of him, because I went back and watched UCF under Josh Josh Heifel when we hired him, he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he is mobile, can get out of the pocket, not a run-first guy, obviously, but he is extremely accurate with the ball. I mean, extreme. he is very precise with the ball, and that's exactly what Lane Kiffin's offense needs. A good, precise game manager <laughs> is what Will's trying to say. And he is very good outside of the pocket, too. Now, I've watched, again, watching a lot of their games, when he gets flushed out of the pocket, his eyes are still downfield. If he gets flushed out of the pocket, it's almost like a guaranteed 20-yard game because he, he's going to find receivers and put it right in the pocket. So I really like Gabriel. Um, if he goes to Ole Miss, I think it makes sense. I think it works out. Um, it would be great. Um, well, let's move on to the next team then. Who do we have next? Uh, we have South Carolina. Does anybody have anything for South Carolina? Um, I was trying to look while you were, while you were talking, but, uh. Sometimes there's just not anything interesting happening yet. Obviously, next week and weeks to come, there should be a lot more transfer news because I, it's a, it's free agency now in college football, so it should be a lot of fun. Speaking of free agency, we have Tennessee leading rusher, obviously only by six yards. The next rusher is literally, um, six yards less. What the hell happened? You okay? Uh, I don't know. Something. I think something happened for. Okay. Well, I. Sorry. Um. Okay. Back to Tennessee. Leading rusher Tyon Evans entered the transfer portal, which was confusing at first, but after kind of talking to people, it makes sense. He uh was not good in the classroom. Was not showing up to class. He was a JUCO guy because of great reasons. So it, it definitely hurts Tennessee for a tie on Evans to leave. He, I think he was the best back Jabari Small close behind. Um, I can see Tyon Evans actually going to South Carolina. So if you want a little South Carolina news, I believe that's the state he's from. He was committed there for a little bit before he went to Tennessee. Um, for South Carolina, that'd be a decent pickup. I don't think he's a game breaker, but he's a very solid back. For Tennessee, a replacement could be Jameer Gibbs, the freshman uh, running back from Georgia Tech, he was very coveted. I think that's trending Tennessee's way, which would be, again, very good. Uh, let's see. You know, Arkansas has had no players enter the transfer portal this far. Okay, that's good culture right there. That's good culture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, last thing for Tennessee, Jerome Carvin announced that he's coming back with the COVID senior on the offensive line. He, was, he gave up a sack this year. so That's pretty good. good. See, again... It's very good considering Tennessee was like the leader for giving up sacks. So, you know, you need everything you can get. Tennessee returns four or five offensive linemen. Obviously, you lose Cade Mays, which is going to be a struggle. Um, any news for Texas A&M? Um, not that I've seen. I can look again real quick just to thing, make, look at my notes. And is their quarterback position? Obviously, they need to sure up that offensive line. I think that was a big Ooh. Of the season. Evan Stewart uh, committed to Texas A&M. There's that. And he is? Uh, one of the nicest top wide receivers. Well, that, that is, see, I don't think wide receivers Texas A&M's problem. What their problem is, again, is curing up that offensive line. And they need to back better than Zach Calzada. I don't think he's the answer. What about Spencer that. Rattler to Texas A&M? That'd be a good one. Ooh. You blew my mind. <laughs> mind. 
I actually like that. I, for some reason, I feel like that fits. They do have Haynes King, who was a five-star prospect coming out of high school, won the starting job and got hurt early on in the season. So he wasn't playing well, though. So, but, but if he does come back and starts playing well, he was very young. So I, I think he has a lot of upside. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, the worst Texas A&M, Texas A&M can do is Zach Calzado, which I think he's okay. But yeah. I, I can also see Jimbo Fisher figuring something else out with the quarterback position. But that's all we got for team news. Unless does anybody else have anything to say about any team? Ah, uh, Vandy needs to be kicked out of the SEC for being the only team in the SEC to not make a bowl game. Oh yeah, thirteen teams make a bowl game. Let's get on to this SEC championship game. Let's do so. This is, this is all I've wanted to talk about since we started the podcast because this is going to be good. No matter how you look at it, one of these teams' fan bases, Twitter is going to be gold for this three-hour duration. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is the matchup I think everybody was expecting coming into the year. And... But no, I don't think any of us expected Georgia to be this far ahead. W- would y'all like to guess what the uh, ESPN Football Power Index has this game at? Uh, hey, can I talk about something real quick before we go on with that? Yeah, go ahead. So obviously for Tennessee, the with the Oklahoma job opening up, you have Josh Heupel rumored in there. Um, that's not going to happen. I just want to say that. And two, something uh, I forgot to bring up this rumor, and this is really a rumor. Um, Kayshawn Boutte, LSU, could be transferring to Tennessee. Really? A massive pickup. He had he's an absolute baller at LSU. I just heard that, and I just saw Tennessee's players tweeting out hashtag wide receiver you, coaches tweeting out hashtag go big orange, kind of out of nowhere. So I just, we did pick up a, another commitment today, Christian Hare. Um, over Florida, Nebraska, but okay. Back back to the game. Um, again, I would like y'all to guess what this the power index has this game at. Like define what you percentage, like percentage wise. I have Georgia probably winning a eighty-two percent. Sixty-six, actually. Oh, wow. But can y'all hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So I for this game, uh, the only thing. That I see as a saving grace for Alabama is the fact that they have Nick Saban as their head coach, and for Georgia, they have Kirby Sharp as their head coach. <laughs> uh, now let's be let's be clear here: Alabama's out if they lose this game. But like, Georgia, even if they win this, even if they lose this game, they're still in. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Now, can Georgia get that monkey off the back of being able to beat Nick Saban? That's the question of this game. So they clearly have the talent. I think. They clearly have the defense to just um, just kill Alabama in this game. Now, will they be able to do it? Has Alabama secretly been preparing for Georgia for weeks? No, I think that could be a very likely case, honest. Um, I, I know Nick Saban's not dumb enough to just think he probably only could take one week to prepare for this Georgia team. So we'll be able to tell if Alabama comes out and looks gangbusters versus Georgia. Yeah, Alabama was preparing for Georgia ahead of time. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I think Alabama is just on a down year. I agree. I agree. I don't think their offensive line is very good. I don't think 
their wide receivers are very explosive. I like Jameson Williams. I don't I think like Bryce Young is uh, big game ready. I don't think John Mechie, I agree with that. I don't think John Mechie has lived up to the hype that I put on him. I thought he might be like another Devontae Smith. He has been great, but he hasn't been Devontae Smith or kind of near that. I think, I think he's been very disappointing. I thought he should have been the number one option, and Jameson Williams is that option. And Again, I like Jameson Williams. He's a very good receiver. I don't think he's 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 not Dylan Waddle. He's not Devontae Smith. He's not all the others that have been produced by Alabama in the past five years. In the past three years, hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, I let's let's go ahead and talk about the line for this game. Um, would you like to guess that real quick? I'm going to go Georgia plus six. Pat? I'll say Georgia plus seven. It is uh, Alabama plus six and a half. Oh, sorry. I I meant to say Alabama plus, by the way. Yeah, I figured I just – that's why I was kind of like sneakily correcting you all there. Wait, wait. Did did you say Georgia plus six and a half? Alabama plus six and a half? Yeah. That means me and Pat was right in between. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I was a little impressed. Uh, obviously, uh, money lines plus two hundred five for Alabama. Over under for this game is fifty, which feels a little high. Yeah. See, if anybody was, yeah, I agree with that as well. If anybody else was coaching Alabama, I'm taking Georgia to win this game and take the over on that, or, or take Georgia to cover. The problem is it's Nick Saban, and I'll be damned if I'm going to bet against Nick Saban. So you're saying you you think Bama's going to win this? No. No, I don't. Um, but I do think they could cover. Hmm. I think it's going to be a great game to watch. That's – that's I think my – if I – I want to get I want to get to score predictions. Like I know there's a lot to talk about with this game, but what's your score prediction? First and foremost. First, that really made mine, to be honest I really don't know. See, I I think Bama scores more than fourteen. They uh, Georgia's defense has only allowed somebody to score more than fourteen once this entire season. But I think think uh, Georgia does pull away. Uh, Georgia wins thirty one seventeen. I. Uh... So Alabama in the last four games has scored 24. Obviously, that's four overtimes. So let's go 42 against Arkansas, 59 New Mexico State, 20 versus LSU, 52 versus Tennessee, 49 Mississippi State. Let's assume that we're going to get the Alabama offense at full strength. Now, they are one running back, one scholarship running back. Brian Robinson, I believe, is out of this game, which is huge. He hit their best running back. Bar none. I don't know. I think Trey Sanders is the running back. I could be wrong there. I don't know if he's the two. Um, so that is a big deal because when you're facing a front seven like Georgia, you need your best foot forward to establish any kind of running game. Uh, I think Bryce Young is going to have to be able to get out the pocket and make Georgia's defense uh, burn, burn their defense, maybe their defensive line getting too far up the field and maybe slip out of the pocket and keep running the ball. I think that's what he's going to have to do for Alabama to have a chance here. Uh, I don't know. Y- y'all keep talking on the next score prediction. 
I'm going to give my score prediction now. Um, I've got Georgia winning this game. Obviously, no surprise there. Um, I'm going to say 34-16. to 16. I'm going to get a 31-27 Georgia. I don't think Georgia – I think it's going to be a struggle for Georgia's offense to be able to score. Uh, well, the score in the 40s or 50s, I don't see them being able to do that. But I do think Alabama's offense is going to come out and look pretty good. I think they've been preparing this game secretly probably for the last month, honestly. Like, I, I just I just feel like they have something t- – I got that Peter Tingle and – in my brain. Speaking of which, will you owe me sixteen dollars and fifty cents? Okay. Actually, no, you owe me thirty-three dollars, but because you got to watch two. But yeah, all right, yeah, I was making sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Also, Nick Bronge is coming. What? Nick Bronge. Nick Bronge. I don't know who that is. Oh, never mind. I thought you did. Never mind. That's totally unrelated. Sorry, sorry to to bring that, but I just wanted to, while I've got Will on the phone, he owes me money, so. Final conclusions on this game. What just kind of how do you see this game going? I see it as kind of a very slow start. If anything, I think Alabama might get out to an early lead, but Georgia just kind of their defense settles in, bullies them. You're Alabama. Look at what Tennessee did in the first drive, the first two drives they had. Tennessee went right down the field on Georgia. So if Alabama wants to score, I think they have to do it early before Georgia's defense settles in. Keep them uncomfortable and keep them off balance, and you have a chance to win this game. Now, if you win the game, you're probably just going to have to play Georgia again, which is the shitty part, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, playing Georgia once a year would be bad, but, man, could you imagine? Yeah, no, I'd rather not. Oh. Yeah, even if Alabama wins this game somehow, no way they beat them twice. Yeah, you never know. Pull me once, shame on you. Pull me twice, shame on me. You know, you just never know. Shout out to Jay Cole. Oh my gosh. Okay, um, is that all we have to talk about? I believe that's all we got. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, um, lots to talk about next week as well. Obviously, the result of this game, obviously, final. Rankings of the or for the uh, uh, pl- college football playoffs, probably maybe the last year of only four teams getting in. Hopefully, maybe fingers crossed. Next week, the recruiting should be really hot and going. Basketball should be hot and going, and the transfer should be hot going. We might even have a few resolutions more head coaching jobs like the Oklahoma one and others, which would be interesting to cover, even though it's not a Big 12. But hey, Oklahoma's coming into the SEC, damn it. Whoever they hire is probably going to be coaching the SEC, assuming they last at least a couple years. So, Oh, oh well, I guess I'm going to be finishing off this podcast because the phone just died. Um, so thank you all for uh, listening in to the podcast. We appreciate you as always. This has been a longer one, so we appreciate you sticking it out with us. We will talk at you next week. Uh, you all have a great one.